Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Oh, Pater! Pater! Hi, everyone. I'm Tom Hannafin, and welcome to Pater, a Penn State basketball show yes for the first time ever this show will be covering the penn state men's basketball season and it's all because of the historic season that the penn state men's basketball team is having right now obviously a fantastic run in the big 10 tournament nearly toppling purdue in the championship game and now they're off to the ncaa tournament this thursday night the 10 seed Penn State will take on the seven seed Texas A&M. And joining me here on this edition of Pater are two special guests who were a part of the last time this team was in the NCAA tournament. Of course, Pater is presented by Bet Online, which remains your number one source for all your sports betting this season. Everything from pro and college basketball to UFC, MMA, and more. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. Bet Online features live betting free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable. We're the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite leagues and events. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. Pater is presented by betonline.ag, where the game starts. Joining me on this very special edition of Pater, it's our first ever basketball edition of Pater covering this fantastic season of Penn State men's basketball. I'm joined by former Penn State forward Steve Kirkpatrick from 2008 to 2011 and by former Penn State head manager Levy Zupan from 2007 to 2011. You can obviously the tie and see the tie in here. Obviously, this team is headed into the NCAA tournament for the first time since 2011, and both of you were part of the team, part of the staff that got into the NCAA tournament in 2011. Steve, I want to start with you. Obviously, you're still extremely tall and handsome, so that's good. That stuck with <laughs> you for all this time. Um, seeing the team go from where it was in 2011, obviously 2009, an NIT championship, a lot of success. You were a part of it. Some tough years in between. Now they're back mm-hmm. in the tournament. How does it feel to watch all this unfold? Yeah, yeah. In between uh, our year and, and this current year, like you said, it was a little bit of a roller coaster. I feel like we had some good teams in there that just were missing a single puzzle piece or just couldn't pull it together. And then, unfortunately, we had that team that was probably primed to uh, have a pretty good seat in the tournament and then was derailed a little bit by the pandemic. But, um, you know, this this team is super exciting. I love going into tournament time. I love a team that has five seniors that play a lot of minutes like that's Whenever I'm filling out my bracket, I'm looking up who's playing and I'm looking for experience with seniors and juniors. Uh, And then obviously the ability to score and shoot. These guys are so good at not just attempting a lot of threes, but making them at a pretty high clip Uh, and then being led by an All-American candidate and pick it. I feel like they just have a lot of the puzzle pieces of a team that could put things together and make a little bit of a run. So I'm excited about it. Levy, as I mentioned, you were a head manager. You're working very closely with Ed DeCellis, who did some phenomenal things for the Penn State basketball program. Uh, so you have experience in kind of what this team has been dealing with over the last few weeks in a rigorous tournament schedule. What is it like witnessing that turnover? You obviously assisting the players, assisting the staff. How does all that come together? Yeah, you know, it's a great point. Uh, there's a lot going on behind the scenes. Anytime you have Uh, a conference tournament where you're playing night in, night out. Uh, I think similarly, our senior year, we had something similar where we played 
four straight games to get to the conference championship. And so uh, there's a part of you, honestly, and, and Steve can attest to this certainly from the, the player perspective, but it, there's something about being able to get into a rhythm and playing night in, night out. I think it, it's a pure form of basketball uh, and lends itself to, to senior laden teams and ones that can get up and, and get their own spark and get their own juice going. And so really exciting and uh, great to see the team obviously come together in Chicago uh, and look forward to, to seeing more of that uh, obviously here coming up in the tournament. Yeah. Tom, Tom, it's, it's a lot easier to play back-to-back games whenever you're playing so well, like at that point, sometimes the adrenaline just takes over and even though your legs are tired, uh, you're just excited to get back out on the court because you legitimately believe you can beat anybody. And so I think that's something that this team is uh, going to have to feed off of. And I'm, it seems like that's what they're doing because even though they lost against Purdue last night, um, you know, it wasn't like all the shots were falling short. It wasn't like they didn't have their legs or energy. You know, I felt like they were still competing, competing hard. So I, I think they've, they've got some gas left in the tank. To that point, Steve, uh, there were some comments from uh, Texas A&M head coach Buzz Williams after uh, it was announced that they were going to be a seven seed. They were going to be playing Penn State. He didn't have anything derogatory to say about Penn State. He was actually praising Micah Shrewsbury quite a bit. Uh, his exception was he continues to have an issue with the formula for how teams get into the NCAA tournament. Not sure whether you agree on that, but what basically – I felt coming from Buzz Williams was a guy who was hung up on feeling like his team was better than his seeding and maybe the team feeling a little let down that they were only a seven seed. Meanwhile, to your point, Penn State played Purdue a one seed and nearly beat them. Like looked like they were going to get the doors blown off them at one point, but nearly beat them. It just seems like two teams with very different mindsets. Do you think it's set up for Penn State to get the proverbial upset? I know it's a 10 versus a seven, but these are two very evenly matched teams. Yeah, and, and I've watched Texas A&M far less than I have Penn State, so I, I know less about them just naturally. But I think um, I think the matchup bodes well for Penn State compared to some of the other games that they've lost or, or opponents they've faced that, that where they haven't exceeded uh, or succeeded. Like, Purdue's a tough matchup for our guys with the lack of kind of a true center that has experience and somebody who can go bang down low with someone like Edie. I feel like Texas A&M is a little bit more guard-heavy. Um, they're – while they're a good defensive team, they're not a great defensive team and they don't shoot great. So I think uh, I'm hopeful that uh, Penn State's kind of middle of the road defense is enough against um, a team like Texas A&M that is neither great down low nor great from the outside. So, Lev, you've gotten to watch a lot of this team over the last few weeks, especially the tournament run uh, to Buzz Williams point. Uh, he went on to say that Micah Shrewsbury puts out a lot of very complicated schemes what have you seen from what Shrewsbury is putting out there offensively and defensively that Williams is pointing towards yeah I think schematically you know he runs a very you know guard friendly offense he's able to get guys shots and rhythm uh you know there's there's been a lot of talk about you know their out of bounds sets things that they orchestrate in terms of set plays uh out of timeouts out of dead ball situations that uh have been successful and so Really, you know, when it comes to March, uh, it's all about making shots, right? It's all about having guards that can create uh, and make plays down the stretch because, um, you know, at this point, and especially with the college basketball season that we've seen, anybody can be anybody, right? It's a common uh, a common phrase that everyone's zero and zero starting in March. And so uh, anytime you can put together a team like what Penn State has right now, 
and guys that have been in that situation before and, and are able to, to produce when the shot clock's winding down. Uh, when you need a bucket late in the game, you have a guy like Pickett that can go get it. That's going to help yourself in March. And so uh, look forward to seeing that. Lev, you got to be around Taylor Battle, Tim Frazier, two absolute legends of Penn State basketball. When you look at what Jalen Pickett has done, and to a degree Cameron Winters, and even the way Seth Lundy has really come on fire uh, the last few weeks from three, uh, where do you put this current team in the, the pantheon of Penn State basketball players? They're up there for sure. It's been uh, it's been exciting to watch them. It's it's tough to compare them, right? Because uh, as as I'm sure Steve would would agree, you know, we're so tied to the guys that we were with, and uh, you know, being able to have those guys around for you know four years and and really building that chemistry and that relationship uh, a little bit different than the way this team was put together this year. Um, but thankfully, all the pieces fit together, and in the current state of college basketball that's kind of what you have to do. Every year is going to be a puzzle, right? Fitting in that, finding that balance with, uh, you know, talented freshmen like Keba, you know, mixing in with, uh, you know, veteran guards uh, and making sure it all works and that the chemistry is cohesive and guys can play off each other. That's really what it's all about. And uh, so to see that Shrews has been able to do that, uh, you know, it definitely lends itself to the future and, and definitely lends itself for, guys maybe entering the transfer portal next year or the year after that, or guys that are considering where to go to school uh, certainly makes Penn state an attractive place to play. Steven, the way that the transfer portal has just exploded, obviously there were transfers when you were playing, when you guys were both part of the team, but it's just changed completely. Uh, is there any way you could have predicted a guy, especially like Jalen Pickett individually to do what he's doing now? No, what a blessing. How cool is it for him to show up from, from Siena and um, and be as successful as he has, prove himself, you know, maybe in a bigger conference against maybe better day-in, day-out competition. Um, you know, that situation, as Levy pointed out, is more commonplace now. It's part of the game. It's part of how you have to recruit. So I'm sure these coaches are, are better up on it, but um, – yeah, we couldn't have been more fortunate or lucky to get somebody like Pickett, uh, who's just – I can't remember the last time he had a bad game. He's just always solid. You know, even if he, if he has a low scoring night, he has 10 assists. You know, he's just one of those guys who um, is just a, a consummate player. So I'm, I'm, uh, I'm glad we got him. And, and to be supplemented with some other guys who scored 1,000 points elsewhere, um, I mean, to have that kind of firepower – uh, is one thing, but then for it to translate into the Big Ten game and then for those guys to put together a full season where, you know, they end up shooting almost 40% from three collectively, like um, usually uh, it doesn't work out that way on for teams where, where you haven't been playing together for three, four years. Um, and so they must be doing something right culturally as well to bring folks together and, and have them play well together. Steve, uh, remember after the, the, the game against Illinois uh, during the tournament recently, I don't know if you saw the comments uh, from the Illinois head coach saying that Jalen Pickett plays booty ball. And <laughs> it, it was a lot of sour grapes. Uh, when, you, when you hear that, are you like, yeah, of course. Or is that like, oh, no, how could you possibly say that? Well, I actually did not hear that quote. And so I don't know the context. But knowing what I know about Jalen Pickett and watching him play where he spends a lot of time with his back to the basket, whether it's him walking the ball up the court or it's him getting to the middle of the paint and, and using that, the booty to create some space for a 12 to 14 foot jump shot. Um, 
I can see, uh, and I'm hopeful that he meant it in the latter way, not the former way where he was saying that he's not a good player. Um, but I think somebody who's coaching at that level must have some level of respect for what he's done this year. So I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, I think there was respect peppered with hate. I think yeah. you know, a little little sour grapes after the fact. Lev, in terms of what Micah Shrewsbury's got on his plate, uh, you know, you obviously find out Selection Sunday what you're doing. Th- this turnaround to a game on Thursday night, which, by the way, is it 9.55 p.m. East Coast time. So Steve <laughs> happens to live in California. So you can get to bed at a reasonable hour. The rest of us yeah. are going to be up till midnight here on the East Coast. But, Lev, you've got to see what the likes of Ed DeChellis and his coaching staff had to do to prepare for that 2011 NCAA tournament. What are these days like for Shrew and company? Yeah, you know, it's a, it's a team effort, uh, no pun intended. But, you know, you have assistants that are scouting uh, ahead of time, right? Because – you know, you have the game coming up Thursday night. It's likely going to be a quick turnaround uh, if you advance play on Saturday. And so you want to have that scout in place uh, for both teams, whoever you could be playing the next game. Uh, and so you have those scouts ready to roll and, uh, you know, you're presenting throughout the course of the week. You're walking through stuff. You're trying not to instill uh, too much of a, a, you know, tough practices, things like that. Cause at this point in the season, you want to save guys legs you want to make sure they're as fresh as they can be uh, at this point in the season. And so it's a lot of, a lot more schematically just walkthroughs. These are the sets they like to run. This is, this is what you can expect. Uh, a lot of times we were those guys that, that threw on the practice jerseys of, of the other team and kind of walked through sets so that Steve and the other guys on the team could at least see it uh, and walk through that stuff on the floor uh, before going out to play. Uh, so it's a lot of just getting guys familiar with, likely what's a team they've never seen. Um, and so part of the beauty of March Madness is, you know, playing conferences, playing teams uh, that you don't really have a good familiarity with the way they, uh, you know, the way they play basketball and, and certainly from a personnel standpoint as well. So making sure you have all your, uh, your eyes dotted and your T's crossed uh, to put the guys in the best position to play on Thursday and, and hopefully Saturday as well uh, is really what it's all about. Well, and you mentioned the the job the assistants are doing in terms of scouting ahead, not thinking too far ahead. Obviously, you know, we can be biased and think positively about what Penn State could do against Texas A&M on Thursday night. But at the same time, how how far down the bracket can the assistants reasonably go in terms of, well, if we wind up playing, for instance, Texas in the next round, should we start scouting them now? Like when does that when does that click? When do they start thinking to do that? Yeah, I think you look at each weekend kind of as its own sort of mini tournament, right? So you play Thursday, hopefully play Saturday. And so uh, really you would be scouting your opponent on Thursday and then doing some contingent scouts for the two teams that you could play uh, in the next round. And then it kind of starts all over the next week. Um, So really it's all about just kind of covering your bases and not extending yourself too much. Because again, there's only so much you can put together and, and game plan for a team when you're coming off of, you know, 36, 48 hours of having played before. So uh, you kind of just, you know, you want to make sure you're perfecting your sets and making sure that the guys on in your huddle know what's going on. Uh, and then hopefully the, the team that you play is going to have to adjust to you more so than you adjusting to the team you're playing. Steve, obviously there's the, the preparation that goes into getting ready for the tournament, but in terms of the jitters, the, the nervousness, you're actually a part of the dance. 
Can you explain what those days leading up to actually getting into the NCAA tournament and then arriving on site, getting ready for the game? I mean, how does that feel? Yeah, it's the jitters are real. I think it would be silly to deny them. Um, you know, you go throughout, especially at a program like uh, Penn State or a conference like the Big Ten, it's kind of uh, throughout the Big Ten season, it, it is a first class experience. You know, you're showing up to the tarmac, hopping on the plane and, you know, going, staying at the nice hotels and rolling into the arena, getting the win, getting out, you know. Um, it's a little bit different on the way, um, you know, to wherever you're playing for the tournament. You know, you're, it's the, the travel and transit set up by the the um, NCAA, I assume. So, you know, you're on a normal airplane. You're going to a place that you probably have don't have experience playing at. Um, you've got all the, the cameras and the fans and the people that make uh, where you're playing a destination, you know, for the whole weekend. And so there's just a lot more going on around it. Um, and it's, you know, for anybody who's playing at a school like that, you know, they've been playing basketball in most cases since they were four or five and they've watched the tournament since they were that age. And so whenever you're able to detach for a second, take a step back and look at what you're actually getting to do and, and kind of being able to f fulfill that, childhood dream um you know i even just talking about this right now i just got some goosebumps um thinking about what that feeling was like um but at the end of the day you don't just want to get there you want to win um and so you got to take care of business you got to do what you have been doing all year same routines same preparation things like that um and so while you do want to take a step back and look at it all and soak it in you also want to stay focused on the task at hand Steve, you two uh, were, got, were a part of the Ed DeCellis era. And then this, this program moved into the times of Pat Chambers. And on paper, that looked like it was going to be really good at first. It didn't go that way. Obviously, they moved on. Uh, and now Micah Shrewsbury is doing a phenomenal job so far. There's rumors out there that Shrewsbury is being targeted by Georgetown for their head coaching job. And immediately all Penn State fans went, <laughs> are you kidding? Like, we just got to the tournament. Like, we just got good. He just got here. All those things. Can you put into words the significance of when Penn State basketball is competitive at this level? Because this school gets knocked so much. The students mm -hmm. get knocked so much from not supporting the basketball team. Can you put this into words? Yeah, I mean – you know, we're a football school, first and foremost. I understand that. I think anybody who attends Penn State to play basketball knows that. You know, you can take a look at Beaver Stadium and see where 120,000 people can gather for a couple Saturdays a year, and you understand that that's where a lot of the investment's going and the focus is. Um, but at the same time, uh, when the basketball program's good, people show up. Uh, and I'm not talking about the winter break games that are out of conference, but you know, I'm talking about, you know, some of our matchups against Michigan State, Ohio State, things like that. Uh, my senior year when we were fighting for that tournament spot, uh, we're talking about, you know, 14, 15,000 people filling out the Jordan Center. Um, and the support was real. Uh, the fans show up. They um, really you know, dive in headfirst to the program. And I think what we need to do to be able to establish that kind of year to year and not just in the great years is string together a couple of good years of performance make getting into the tournament, um, you know, a given and not a surprise or a treat. And I think once we can do that and we can get a little bit of continuity, um, you know, I, I think there's just a ton of love and support for the program. And I, I think it can be, it can stick. 
Lev, right now I'm seeing spreads online anywhere from minus three to minus six and a half in the favor of Texas A&M. I know you're a betting man. Uh, where would you put your money going into this game? Honestly, you know, all Penn State bias aside, I'm, I'm just not sure how, how you can bet against them at this point. Uh, they've clearly shown an ability to play with anyone in the country. Um, what they lack in in certain areas they make up for with their heart and their fight. Uh, I know a lot of Penn State fans probably didn't expect the game against Purdue on Sunday to be that competitive. And we saw it obviously come down to the last second. Um, so I really can't see uh, why you would bet against Penn State at this point. I would obviously take them with the points. Um, but just really, you know, as Steve mentioned, just exciting to have this buzz back in Happy Valley, have folks talking about the basketball team again. Uh, obviously, we had uh, some incredible environments that we played in, as Steve mentioned. I'm thinking to the NIT as well when we were playing yeah. in Madison Square Garden and you know, we were packing buses and students were making that trip up to New York uh, and really took over the garden. I mean, it was loud in there and it was a raucous Penn State crowd. Um, so obviously, uh, you know, it's there. Uh, people are going to come out and support. And so uh, definitely just want that to continue. And uh, I think, you know, State College is unique, right? It's in the mountains. It's, it's a little bit tough to get to for those weeknight nine o'clock games. Um, as opposed to, you know, your football Saturdays that everyone's so used to. Uh, but as Steve mentioned, if we can continue to string these seasons together, I think the expectation is going to be that, uh, you know, Happy Valley can be Basketball Valley as well. That would be something. That would be awesome. Uh, guys, thank you both uh, for joining me. This is the first ever basketball edition of Pater. We've always been a football show, so I appreciate you guys, both of you, lending your expertise. Enjoy the game. Uh, Levy, I know you got a big weekend coming up, so just make sure my room's ready. Appreciate that. And Steve, uh, I guess you'll get a normal bedtime when you watch this game on Thursday. Good for you. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm get, finally getting some payback for all those years where I go to bed at 11 uh, watching the Super Bowl or whatever it is. Lucky you. Lucky you. Uh, thank you both for joining me. And again, everybody, the game is this Thursday night, I believe at 9.50 p.m. Eastern, uh, March 16th, Penn State, number 10 against number 7C, Texas A&M. Go Lions. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.